Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse, episode 343. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, what is up? I think I got bit by a werewolf, so if stuff starts getting crazy, Pete, keep the camera on. Why do you think you got bit by a werewolf? Well, I was playing football this afternoon or this morning and I looked down uh, in line to get food and I have like, it looks like a bite mark. I don't know where it came from. So, um, I don't remember running into any werewolves and it was in broad daylight, but you never know. Okay, that's how we're starting this episode. This is the DC Covers podcast. We get together and talk about the books we read this week. Coming up on this week's show, we have Batman issue 132, The Flash 792, Poison Ivy issue 9, Gotham City year 1 issue 5, and Monkey Prince issue 11. Uh, quite a week. I mean, I only read three of those five books, Matt. The triple that he is. I read all five. Uh, I mean, I'm already into Monkey Prince, and it's, you know, we're, we're getting towards the end. And it's Ivy, and Takara's back, so of course I'm gonna... Of course I'm gonna read Ivy. Of course, of course. It's just, it's a weird... I was I was coming just before we started that it's a really weird schedule at DC right now for us, because this week and next week are quite quiet, and then it sort of ramps up to a more normal amount for the, the last couple of weeks of the month. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully these new, these new books come out over the next few months. Uh, I, I don't remember checking the dates for the ones coming out in April and May, but hopefully they're on the first couple of uh, Tuesdays. Yeah, because those weeks could use a few extra books. Uh, but uh, mm-hmm. we'll get into all that. There is a couple of little bits of news. Not, not it's not like last week where we had a whole movie and TV slate to talk about, but there's a little bit. Yeah. Um, but before all that, Matt, what? What time is it, Matt? Uh, clobbering time. <laughs> no. <laughs> It's not clobbery time. Um, it's time for you to get a watch. No. It is... Um, what time did Marty go back? The, to the past? So like 10.26 or something? It's not 10.26. <laughs> no, I don't remember the exact time in the clock and Back to the Future, no. <laughs> um, time for vanilla. No, that's not. There's room for vanilla. Uh, I don't know. What time is it? <laughs> it's always time for Comixology Top uh, 10, man. It's time to get ill. No? It's right. always, always time. You, you yeah. know this. I know. You know this. I wanted to see how long you're going to drag it out for it. And then what happened was, is we both played chicken and we both lost. <laughs> there was other time, Joe. You could even say Vader time. You didn't say, yeah. uh, uh, I don't know, Hammer Time. That's, that's a yeah. popular one. People say Hammer Time. It is him. Uh, with the Vader one, though, he doesn't immediately come to mind because I wasn't a big Vader guy. So, I mean, looking back, I should have been. Um, but yeah, he scared me when I was younger. So, <laughs> he was he was the he was the bully's dad on Boy Meets World. That's how I knew Vader. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But yes, yeah, so all this time for Cabo Soldier Top 10. Uh, we'll look at Tuesday's books, which are DC's, and then Wednesday, which is the rest mm-hmm. of the industry. Because uh, that's how they split up in comicsology. So as of right now, which is Saturday, uh, what do you think the best-selling book from DC is? I'm gonna guess that it's Batman. It is Batman. It's not a hard week mm. to predict. Nah. Uh, Batman 132 at number one. Number two is Lazarus Planet. Uh, mm-hmm. Next Evolution is that what that issue was called this week? Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you have that, and number three is the Flash 792. 
five, all number right. four is Batman and the Joker, the Deadly Duel. And then number five is Gotham City, year one, issue five. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, after that, we hit Static, issue one. So. There was a Static, issue one? Yeah, uh, yes. It, it's not coming up on League of Comic Heat as I'm looking. So maybe that was a. Maybe digital only then. Yeah. If that's the case. Uh, which, you know, fair enough. And then you got Joker, the man who stopped laughing at number seven. Number eight is Poison Ivy, issue nine. Number nine is Monkey Prince, issue 11. And that's it for the single issues, uh, because then it's Swamp Thing by Ram V, volume... Uh, I assume that's volume two, just given that I expect hey. that to be coming out. Yeah. Uh, well, I tell a lie, there was one more single was- issue. Uh, Scooby-Doo, uh, Where Are You, is also there. But- Although I think I think that was Ram V, volume three was the one that came out, because it had the Parliament of Gears on the cover. Uh, this might be... Oh, yeah, right, it is volume three. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Yep. Um, I guess I just didn't realize that was split into three volumes. I, I, I didn't either. It would make sense that it was the you know the first chunk and then the back chunk, but I guess they split the first chunk into two and then yeah. No, this they did the because they had the two future state issues mm-hmm. and then issues one to four and then they had Sorry. five to ten and then yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. It it makes a relative amount of sense. So. Yeah, that's uh, DC Top 10. Nothing too exciting there, I would say. Static being above a Joker and Poison Ivy books, kind of cool for Static, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, nothing too exciting or surprising to talk about. Uh, Wednesday's books, just to have a look at the rest of the industry. Any guesses as to what number one is, Matt? So I'm looking on League of Comic Geeks that has one in the number one spot, but I'm also checking for any of the events, and I don't see anything. I do see these goblin books and there's a gold and a red. So I don't know if those are tie-ins or not, but I'm mm. just going to take a guess and say it's amazing Spider-Man. It is not. Nope. Okay. Let's see. There's a red goblin. There's a gold goblin. It's not storm and the brotherhood of mutants. One, is it? It is. Ah, man. Yeah. Dang. I'll Ewing on this one as well. Uh, Hey, what is this? about? What is storm doing? Storm. That's, that's, I think this is tied out of the Sinister event because it's got a yeah. banner at the top. So It does, doesn't it? It'll just Sins be that. The sinister. Yeah. Uh, and then we have Bishop War College at number two. So another X-Men book. That doesn't sound like an X-Men book as much as it sounds like a D3 school. <laughs> Bishop War College. I, t- I tell you what, X-Men's in a good place when this random Bishop book is outselling yeah. Daredevil and Spider-Man because number three is Daredevil issue eight. Wow. And number four is Amazing Spider-Man. So, congratulations, wow. Bishop. Yeah? <laughs> You're out selling the heavies. Uh, number five is Miracle Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, number six is Darth Vader, mm-hmm. uh, which is Greg Pak right now, apparently. Which so cool. cool. Uh, number seven is Secret Invasion, issue four. Number eight is Star Wars Hidden Empire. Uh, number nine is our first non-Marvel book, and that is Little Monsters, issue 10. This is Jeff Lemire and Dustin Wynn. Uh, which I have not read any of yet, but obviously those two names oh. together are of yeah. interest. Uh, I, I got into their, what was it, Ascender or Descender? One De- of the two? Descend. Well, they did both, actually. Right. Descender first was one, first, like, and then it yeah. was Ascender was the second one. I, I got like three issues into that, and I'm like, I'm going to trade rate this, and then I never found my way back. Mm. Um, it was good. It was just the, the, the in-between waiting. Uh, what is this a vampire book or what is this? 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. So it's saying interesting twist of the vampiric genre. So oh, there wow. you go. cool. Uh, and then number ten is back to Marvel with Red Goblin issue one. So uh, there's we a red... Got red Hulks, we got Red Goblins, we got you know Gray Hulks and Gold Goblins. What's going on over there? <laughs> I th- yeah, there's a Gold Goblin book as well. It's on issue four this week. Uh, that was just a few notches down. Uh, Philip K. Johnson's Alien book was at number twelve. Um, as far as like non-Marvel stuff that looks of note, uh. Sonic's ongoing book at number what's that seventeen? Um, yeah, that's all I got for you. I don't think I have any other hot takes. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say about the the Wednesday numbers. I, you know, Marvel's events seem to do well for them. Um, to the point where they're consistently outselling some of their bigger characters, which are. You know, Daredevil especially is, is being kind of, you know, critically praised for having a great run right now. Yeah. So, uh, so fair fair so, play to Storm Just found out why Static didn't show up on the DC list. Um, oh. Because they, League of Comic Geeks has it split into Milestone. So Milestone's its own ah. uh, imprint. So cause now I'm seeing it now that I unselected DC and selected they, all the Do you know what? They used to do that with the... Mm-hmm. Whatever. The, uh, Bendis. Yeah, whatever line Young Justice was in, it always never showed up in the main list. It was yep. always on that second one, and it, it threw us yep. occasionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's that's annoying, but it is what it is. Uh, so, there you go. That's the top ten for this week. Uh, nothing much more to add. Um, all right. So, yeah, there is a couple of bits of news uh, to get into. Not, 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 not nothing we'll talk about too much, I don't think. Uh, first up is the Poison Ivy book is officially an ongoing. Um, it yep. was meant to end with issue 12, but it is going to get an issue 13 in June, and that is officially put into an ongoing status. So, obviously, it's doing well enough. Uh, it, it does tend to be a bit lower on the digital top 10, but I wonder yeah. if all the variants that it comes with is probably boosting the physical numbers quite a bit. Yeah, so usually I don't get variants unless it's, like, a really good, like, Frisian cover or whatever. Uh, when I showed up at my shop on Wednesday at my normal time, all the regular covers were gone. And all they had left were the variants that are a dollar more. So um, I grabbed one of the variants. Because mm. um, my the guy that puts my box together apparently was sick and it got missed. So, But that's okay. I got a good cover. I'm not upset. But, um, but yeah, so I mean, that I would assume that means it's selling good because they have, a, you know, all those variants. Yeah, well, I mean, whatever the 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 numbers they need to hit for these books to keep doing well. I mean, uh, Harley's showing up in issue thirteen, uh, so Harley shows up in this issue too. Oh well, so, fair enough. Yeah. Well, there's there's more Harley in issue thirteen, so mm-hmm. uh, that's that. And then the other thing, which was something Tom Taylor was teasing for a couple of days uh, and revealed on Twitter, is that the Superman uh, John Kent series. What's the, mm-hmm. what's the new one called? It's, Adventures it's, of Superman. Yes. Is that what it is? Adventures, okay. I think it's Adventures of Superboy. No? no it's not Superboy. It's definitely not no, called not Superboy. Superboy. It's Adventures of Superman. Yeah. And it's the six issue mini series. Yes. Uh, so yeah, Adventures of Superman, John Kent. That's the full title. So uh, he's revealed that somewhere into the the, ish, into the, the series, probably around issue three or four, um, Injustice Superman is going to be in the book. And John's going to interact with that universe, which is notable because Tom Taylor, before he wrote any of the books that we ever spoke about on this show, to the one thing he was doing at DC for a mm-hmm. long time was writing the Injustice comics, which got a lot of praise at yeah. the time, actually. 
I've I've read the first twelve issues, and you know I don't like the the grim and dark version of Superman. However, it's Tom Taylor doing it, and he understands all the other characters around it. And you, you like the way that it plays up on the evil Superman trope is really good because he doesn't lean into evil Superman. It's you know lawful evil kind of Superman where mm. there's still rules and stuff, and he's you know very feared and. Um, so I'm excited to see him interact with this version of John Kent. Yeah, and this is very much the first time, as far as I know, that Injustice Universe mm-hmm. is properly intermingling. I mean, I'm sure it's been referenced here or there whenever yeah. they do like, oh, here's like you know a hundred universes, on, you know, one per panel. We've seen the Injustice Universe in those types mm-hmm. of contexts, but this is the first time I think it's actually been like a proper story where a main character from the main universe is interacting with those mm-hmm. characters. Um. It also mentions he's going to like sort of conflict with uh, that world's version of Damien, who's very yep. different to uh, to regular Damien. So it's kind of interesting that uh, in a story that seems to be mainly focused around John taking on Ultraman as he's kind of his arch nemesis, mm-hmm. that we're going to be dealing with other universes' version of bad Superman and how John's going to deal with that. Yeah, I almost wonder if that at that point, because Ultraman is like bad, bad, right? That's the whole point of Earth 3. Um, there's no, you know, there's supposed to be, um, no, no, like no redeeming qualities in those guys. Whereas I feel like with injustice, it's almost like the lesser of two evils kind of deal. Um, but yeah, Taylor, Taylor, I'm sure has had this plan for a while, right? Like, well, maybe not for a while, but you know what I mean? Like if anyone could pull this off, it's him. Yeah. Well, injustice Superman is very much like he was regular Superman until Mm -hmm. something broke him you know something right. changed him whereas ultraman was never like superman no. he was never well, that. he's not even kryptonian right like yeah. he is he is a, a nasa astronaut that eats kryptonite you know yeah. like um yeah but so... even aside from like how he gets powers and whatnot like he was mm-hmm. never the personality wise no. he was never superman you know he no. never was good he was and... never pure and like that yeah and if you know injustice superman's origin then it's curious to see how that plays in with john you know, I imagine it'll be a big deal when he learns mm-hmm. what what turned this Superman evil. Yep. Uh, so, you know, um, I'm sure there'll there'll be a, some pretty good commentary from from uh, Taylor on this. So, uh, it's weird that his time on on John's coming to an end, right? Like, um, mm-hmm. it, it's been pretty consistent for the last, you know. Well, uh, we can't know what's replacing it because he's done a Titans book yeah. <laughs> uh, right around the time yeah. this will be. Re- not not quite finished, but it'll be almost right. finished by the time Titans are starting. So he's, right. it feels like that's kind of what's replacing that. And uh, yeah, I'm pumped for Titans, so I'm not too mad. Uh, oh no, me neither. I'm means. just I'm just looking back at and when it started with the War World stuff, and then John took over, and he's had a pretty substantial, you know, take on John Kent, and this is him wrapping it up. So. Yeah, but I think we've all been in, agree- in agreement though that uh, his Superman John Kent is. On the lower end of his DC work, mm-hmm. like you know, yeah, it's okay, it's serviceable. Yeah, you know? like Nightwing being at the top, I would say Suicide Squad is like mm-hmm. probably second, and that's not necessarily a widespread opinion. Like I know some no. people online who hate that book, uh, but well, we, mostly we because they it. they wanted it to be a Suicide Squad book, and it was more of that, you know, I forget their name. Whether the, the they're not Freedom Fighters, the Revolutionaries, the Revolutionaries, you know. Their book, and I, so I like that. I like when they do backdoor titles like that. But it's still with Harley and Deadshot, still felt like a Suicide Squad book. Um, 
I don't know. Suicide Squad fans are, are very hyper-focused on what they like, I feel. I ran into one at the comic book shop before, and oh boy, let me tell you. Really <laughs> defended that first movie. Really defended that first movie. Uh, yeah. Our first movie was... Uh, rough. I think rough's underselling it, to be honest. That <laughs> a steaming pile of shit is, is maybe a better descriptor. I but never, never forget about 20 minutes in, my wife leaned over to me and goes, I don't know what's going on. I said, that's all right. We're in the same boat. <laughs> there's, a, there's a moment at the start of that. And I've, t- I've told this story before, but there's mm-hmm. a moment at the start of that movie where I don't know if it's like a credit comes up or it's like a title saying that they're, we're about to see Arkham or whatever. Yeah. But it comes up as the camera's like flying across like the ocean. And because mm-hmm. the sun's hitting off of it, you can't read the text. They didn't put like a drop shadow on the text. And I'm yeah. like, if that's an indication of the level of quality and care that's went into the rest of this movie, then we were in yeah. for a really rough time. <laughs> I saw this guy at the shop was like, yeah, that's, you know, that was good enough. Ostrander, that felt like an Ostrander story. And I was like, look, I'm going to concede. I've never read, I haven't read that much Ostrander Suicide Squad, but I don't know, man, for my, for my journeys reading Suicide Squad, that didn't feel like it. So uh, if you're happy, though, I'm happy for you, bud. Oof. Yeah. Fun times. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, yes. yeah, actually, I put, uh, just while we're on the movies and stuff, I put mm-hmm. out uh, a poll on our Twitter, at DC Comics Podcast, for mm-hmm. anyone who wants to go follow. Uh, I put out a poll mm-hmm. asking how people were feeling about the, the movie and TV slate. Um, and there were three choices. Uh, the winner with 50% was, was positive. Uh, and then okay. the other fifty percent were split between the other two, which was skeptical but hopeful and just negative, like not feeling it. Right. So, yeah, at least from our audience, it, it does seem to be trending towards positive. Maybe with some skepticism, which I think is healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah. I, I would kind of. I, I think I'd put myself in between those two options. I would say I'm still a bit yeah. skeptical, but I was feeling a bit optimistic after the reading the announcements. Skeptical but open. Is where I am. Like I'm very excited for his Superman and for Booster, for Gun Superman and Booster and stuff. But uh, well, I say I say God, Guns written uh, Superman. But you know, um, but yeah, skeptical but open, uh, definitely for sure. Seeing seeing the stuff like the the stuff that came out with Flash, and then remembering um, James Gunn calling it fantastic, mm. but it really feeling like he had to say that. <laughs> Like, yeah, I have to say they put like a new yeah. poster for the Flash movie like yesterday, um, and it's it's really depressing that the first ever solo Flash movie the poster has like a bat cape coming down from the top. And, yeah, like and I love Batman. I do. Batman's like you know I like Batman more than most other characters. I I, I absolutely do. But I don't want all, I want all the other characters that I like to get their fair shake mm-hmm. and not be overshadowed yeah. by Batman. Turns, turns out a lot of the people I follow or follow me. Our big time Flash fans, which of course, you know, you find your people, they're very upset about that poster. And again, I'm in, I understand the same boat because it mm-hmm. felt like Superman was an afterthought in BVS and Justice League. So I, I get it, um, you know, but also it tells me how much faith that Warner Brothers has in that marketing campaign. That They're just like, oh, our very problematic star. Don't worry about that. We have Batman. <laughs> you know? that's that's how i'm taking this one is they're trying to take we, the distraction off of their, their yeah star. we have batman this isn't the batman yeah. from the successful matt reeves movie no. or the batman that's going to be in our new universe uh when mm-hmm. things are reset but there's it's a batman <laughs> yeah michael keen's in this right or was that in batgirl no he's well he's in both but yeah he's in okay. flash yeah 
Okay. Uh, so yeah, we have Michael Keaton, right, and Ben Affleck. Uh, well, we don't know if we got Ben Affleck. They may cut that stuff. Oh boy. Because apparently, that's like- apparently, Aquaman two had cameos from Batman and maybe Wonder Woman, and they might have been cut out. Oh my goodness! But no wonder Ben Affleck's so sad. It looks so sad at the Grammys. Well, I, I, I think. To be fair, I get why though, because if the whole yeah. point of those scenes was that we're setting just, up more movies, and they've just you right. know, and since since they've shot those scenes, they've hired yeah. new people in charge who have said, "No, nope, we're doing this whole new slate, and we're yeah. we're leaving most of this stuff behind." They can't have the teasers in there, it's like because and this was right sure. after that Superman scene in uh, Black Adam, Black which Adam. I've not seen, yeah. but like you know, it was like, "Hey." We may get Henry Cavill versus The Rock, and like you're not seeing either of those ever again. Nope, man. <laughs> but yeah, so um, fun times, fun times being a DC fan. I just want to get that over. That might be the first DC movie I go out of my way not to see. Although I say that now, uh, but it, it took me till home release and wrapping presents to rock, watch Black Adam. I'm still not watch Black Adam. Yeah. But again, I wouldn't expect you to. Black Adam definitely did not seem like you're... I could definitely see you giving up. Like, starting it, get like 20 minutes in and be like, I I have better things to do. I, 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 I like a proper Black Adam movie I may be into, although I don't see the point of Black Adam without doing, you know, yeah. him with Shazam first, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, they, they have the opportunity to do something interesting with it, but, of course, The Rock can't do that, so... You know, they do the boring option for Black Adam's origin instead. And did uh, at any point did they say, "Do you smell what the wizard is cooking?" No, and um, it was very disappointing. Sure. He didn't drop anybody with a rock bottom. <laughs> he, <laughs> he didn't do the the wizard's elbow. <laughs> uh, the wizard's elbow. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, God, so many puns, so many, yeah, so many nice. references could be made. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. The whole the whole thing's a bit of a, a bit of a wet fart. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. We ha- we have another year or so of these like leftover movies coming out, which are probably it, it feels kind of sad because I saw like um I don't know what it was, but it was like you know Zachary Levi was doing some interview or something, or there's a little promotional video for Shazam two, and I'm like something about this marketing campaign just feels a little bit like going through the motions and very sad yeah. and I, I don't know if like there's any real hype by and large for for these movies that are coming out that are these sequels to the the old universe that i mean in theory some of them could kind of like stick around and be relevant but i'm expecting shazam 2 to underperform like i'm not expecting it to do very well i think it'll do yeah. less in the first movie and the first movie did okay but you know compared yeah. to like other big superhero movies i don't think it was uh yeah, you know, breaking records or anything like that. Yeah, so. and they they were papering that because I ended up getting free tickets for uh, mm. a a um advanced screening like a week before, and they they had bumbled it because they also booked the seats through Fandango and the movie theater. So some guy showed up being like, "You're in our seats." I was like, "No, sir." Um, so that was kind of a mess, and so you know, just kind of always felt like they weren't taking Shazam very seriously, anyways. Which is a shame because I, I do enjoy that first movie, so um, it's pretty good for what it is. Uh, but yeah, I mean, am I gonna go see the Shazam two? I don't know. Uh, if there's nothing going on that week, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I'm not seeing any of these movies in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Like maybe eventually I'll see them at home, but like mm-hmm. the the next DC movie I see in the theater uh, will likely be 
if not the Batman part two, then if one of the other like yeah. slate of this new gun universe is out before then, then maybe yeah. whatever that is. But like, part of me is curious to see the Flash movie just because of Flash. But then my my logical brain kicks over and it's like, no, you can't support that because of the actor, because that dude's a real piece of you know. So it's like, do I want to support this or do I not? You know, it's weird. Probably not. Well, I mean, yeah. that's been a, a bit of a a dilemma for a lot of people this past mm-hmm. week with the new Harry Potter game coming out. Yep. Is uh, the people want to support this game that took you know thousands yeah. of employees to make, but knowing that the royalties are all going to a person who's mm-hmm. uh, you know supporting some things and not yeah. even just has shitty opinions, but is actively kind of going like, out of their way to remind you. Yeah, that they have. Yeah. You know, actively kind of cruel, campaigning, cruel I guess, is maybe the, the best way yeah. of saying it. But, you know, uh, that's uh, a choice for each person to make, I suppose, and and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what that doesn't have any problematic fandom? Professional wrestling. Uh, I don't know if that's true, Matt. Oh, it's 100% false, Pete. That's why I said it that way. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm not, I said it that way. Yeah, I'm not uh, so sure. I, don't, yeah. don't think I disagree with that. Uh, yeah. So... No, um, yeah, that's a bit. So yeah. there you go. That's that's uh some very very excited for Poison Ivy to go full um full ongoing because you could kind of feel. I'll talk about it more in this. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say full frontal. <laughs> no, no, almost at some scenes this week. Uh, but no, it's uh you you could feel it in the, you could tell in the last couple issues Wilson kind of shifted. So it was just a matter of time before they announced it that it was going to get more uh, than the initial. So I thought maybe they'd take it to like a 24 issue thing, mm. you know, uh, but a full ongoing is very good. And I, I almost like how they played it that way of the, hey, if this keeps going, it reminded me of Ram V's uh, Swamp Thing, too, which funny enough, the similarities in those characters. Um yeah, obviously uh, I didn't get ongoing. I just got the extra no. six, but which is yeah. which is something that I could have seen happening with this as well. But clearly mm-hmm. it's selling well. And again, I'm going to assume this is down to yeah. all those pretty variants that it seems to yeah. get. Uh, oh, the quality of the book is very good too. Let's just put that out there too. Oh, I mean, I'm um, sure I'm not, I'm not disputing yes. that, that, it, that it's but I'm, it was is it as good as Swamp Thing though? I, I doubt no. it. <laughs> no, but that's a special run. Like that's a, it's an all timer. Yeah, but it, it didn't sell a Gangbusters just on no. the fact that it was great. That's true. So people don't listen to us enough, Pete. That they, they did, they, they would should. have been reading that from jump. They should listen to us. Yes. Uh for uh, well, me at least anyway, maybe you in passing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's fine. I have very questionable opinions. So Oh, I know. I've heard you speak about Kong Skull Island. <laughs> that movie's great. My third favorite movie of that year. Right. I have to go back and see. What what else came out that year? What beat it? But I just remember doing the countdown with Connor and Pete, and each each spot after nine that it didn't come up, they were getting a little bit worried that it was going to be in the one spot. <laughs> so when it finally came up at three, there was a relief on both of them. Oh uh, dear! But Connor Connor's kind of hoping I made it number one, just so he said it would invalidate the rest of my list. You know. Um, for the record, so, that was just the top 10 movies of that year. Had this yeah. been like a decade list, like you would have been absolutely insane to have it that high. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't have been that high for that. But Arguably, yeah. you were insane anyway, but... I mean, yeah. <laughs> certainly, certainly for doing, doing a decade and having that in number three yeah. would be nuts. All right, well, I guess we'll get into the books then. Uh, we got some 
some comics. Mm-hmm. We got some comic redos to talk about. No? That's a new word. Uh, no one has ever said that before. <laughs> uh, comic crackers? Co- comic. <laughs> That's what you could call us. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> especially with the, uh, especially with Connor here and his gingerness. I, I I was going more for like a Christmas cracker. Oh. My reference there. Yeah. <laughs> Shows I, you how our societies are different, Pete. Yeah, people in the UK don't really use the word cracker the way I think you took yeah. that there, Matt. Yeah. Just uh, yeah. yeah. You have Christmas crackers, you have crackers that you put, you know, cheese on mm-hmm. to eat. <laughs> You're talking, these are like, uh, like the, like the, they're full of confetti, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like pop, we would call those poppers. Poppers. Oh, it's never occurred to me that Americans don't use the, uh, the phrase Christmas yeah. crackers. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, no. To me, to me, a Christmas cracker would be like a, like a, like a, animal cracker type deal like christmas theme <laughs> i thought you were going to say santa claus <laughs> yeah, <that too. laughs> sometimes <laughs> uh, christmas crackers uh yeah it's like a this is a t-shirt it's, it's a, a thing you know one person has t-shirts. one side the other person pulls yeah. the other side and it pops you get a bit of a spark and yeah there's usually like a joke in it or something mm-hmm. i've seen harry potter they get them in that <laughs> Uh, oh well. Comics then, shall we? Um, Batman. Batman! 132, Chip Zarsky writing with Mike Hawthorne mm-hmm. on the R. And do you know what's so funny about this issue? Is mm-hmm. that I read the first page or two and was like, mm-hmm. I was very confused. I was like, what's going on? What's happening? I don't understand. And I got to the second page and went, mm-hmm. oh, we're in a different universe. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah remember we got, we got venomed up Judge Dent? You know, I um, I had forgotten everything that was in that last so, issue until it reminded me. Not not to get too far ahead though, I have no idea what Zdarsky's doing here because with the backup, this is this is just such a weird way to play with the multiverse. Um, but I do like seeing like alternate timelines and stuff like that. I just like seeing things a little bit off. Uh, yeah, I, I continue to be very conflicted, uh, and mm-hmm. there's certain things in this book that I find really tiring, and I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. we have to go through these motions because we're an alternate universe. Yeah. And, like, I, I'm like, why are we doing this? But then there's other moments where, like, I think there's like the the, the overall themes are handled very well. I think the ending yeah. of this issue, uh, you know, obviously a bit on the nose because it's a direct you know reference yeah. to uh, year one, but um, like him basically, just, you know, we said this last issue, we talked yeah. about how he's ultimately going to have to decide to help this version of Gotham, and that's what he does mm-hmm. at the end. He decides, he's like, yes, Gotham, I shall become a bat. So, yeah. you know, it's, he's directly paraphrasing your one, and it's, it works well enough, um, mm-hmm. but... I will, as good as that moment is, right, the, the one that got me is where he, he cooks breakfast for mm. the for, for the young girl. I forget her name right now. Um, and then he says, like, yeah, I used to cook for my sons all the time. Um, and that was just, like, a, a, a nice little moment, like... He says sons a few times in this when he's mm-hmm. talking about the Robins, actually, which was kind of yeah. nice. Uh, so, yeah. It, just, it shows his compassionate side. And sometimes I feel like writers really lean into the militant side of Batman and kind of the, you know, the GD Batman kind of trope where he treats the boys like they're soldiers. So the fact that like, he's like, oh, no, I got to take care of this kid like I did my other ones and, and, and this, cook for her. And this feels like there's so. some... Uh, connective tissue here because there was mm-hmm. also that scene in Nightwing last issue so yeah. it, feel, it feels like there's a 
Yeah. The same mentality has been shared across all the Bat books, which is mm-hmm. nice. It doesn't feel like one's contradicting the no. other and how he's treating them. So, well, and, in, and in fact, this, you know, I think is emboldened or bolstered by that scene in Nightwing. Yeah. You know, where him and Dick hug. So, you know, uh, and, and I like that. So, um, yeah. And that, that uh, the girl's character's name is Jewel. Uh, Jewel. That's right. Uh, just to right. remind you. Uh, so, yeah, we find out that Alfred and Leslie Tompkins are a, a, a couple here mm-hmm. in this earth. Um, which we may have learned about last issue and I forgot, but I'd forgotten about it. So, yeah. Uh, but it's established, we established here at the least if it, is, Early if it on. was. Um, and we just kind of get a sense of what the city is that Jill kind of sneaks around, does these like safe hideouts. Bruce is learning about the, uh, the corruption here, which is that the they're basically judge and jury and they just send people to Arkham. And uh, basically, when Jill catches him talking to like this, you know, skeleton garden. And he he's like, oh, it's multiversal, you know, something something sickness. Yeah. yeah, she's like, nah, I don't think it is. There's like a there's a gas they pump into there in Gotham to make us all crazier. Here's some pills that'll yeah. counteract it. And it's like, okay, that's kind of messed up. But yeah, <laughs> all right. I mean, it definitely it it leans into the fear state idea of mm. of Crane, you know, trying to use oh, gas to control the populace, which I do like because again, that's an RC taking off, you know, some of the the, the some of the things that came before it. Yeah. So, but I, yeah, Skeleton Gordon is pretty cool though. Like, I hope I do like I hope him. We yeah. can see him later. You know, he's probably my favorite line. part of this whole story. Be, mm-hmm. This art so far, to be honest, is, is yeah. just Skeleton Gordon's yeah. like comments and the way he looks and stuff. Yeah. Um. So we get more teases of Red Mask again, who comes to put Dent in his place, and Dent's yeah. obviously you can see him getting weaker, and then he gets more Venom pills, and he or or Red Mask presses his button to give him more Venom, and he hulks up again. Well, well, I like too that he takes it away and it emaciates him, right? So he's like this. Mm. He looks like a scrawny he looks dude. Like Captain he, America before he got yeah. the uh, the serum is what he looks like. Right. And so it takes it and then he pumps him back with it. So it's almost like there's a steady stream of venom going through Dent, which makes him more dangerous, right? Um, and it, I think that up Red Mask's dangerous, you know, ness too. Because um, I feel like we're gonna Red Mask is someone that's gonna be familiar. I haven't pinpointed it yet. But... Oh yeah, we said that last issue that it's probably yeah. going to be someone important. But but through this and the through you know running things and how Arkham's situated, yeah, it's definitely something. Yeah, I mean, I'm leaning towards someone who's usually a good character just because that makes mm-hmm. more sense for shock value. But I mean, yeah. we'll see. Uh, Bruce's whole plan is that he finds out about who the rich guy is in this city. Um, it was a really stupid mm-hmm. name actually. Now that I'm thinking yeah. about it, uh, it was like Baxter Williamson or something like that. Uh, but he's going to go to this gala and pretend to be rich, uh, <laughs> you know, so that he can try and get rich. to the scientist to invent stuff because he's doing experiments and all that that might help him like get back home, mm-hmm. and that's his goal. So yeah. he goes to pretend to be rich, and there we see a couple of different things that are very important. Obviously, there's the the moment where Alfred kind of sees him and it's like he recognizes mm-hmm. him because he didn't know Bruce when he was younger before he you know right. disappeared and died. Um, but he also, of course, uh, encounters Selena Kyle, who, you know, he kind of reacts to and is like, oh shit, like, you know, I kind of fall mm-hmm. for her no matter where I go. She's always kind of dangerous. I don't know, you know, who she's working yeah. for here, what her end game is. There's a, a comment about her smell, which just, for whatever reason, <laughs> ring true, right? He's like, yeah. oh man, even here she smells like Selena. Yeah. Um, Although notably, so, she is dressed in red to match yeah. uh, Red Mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, couldn't help but notice that. 
Um, yeah. And then the biggest thing, though, is probably that he looks up, and I wasn't sure if this was meant to be the uh, yeah. the rich guy that he was looking for, but uh-huh. he looks up uh, to the balcony because he, he was directed to go up there, which is why I think it might be that rich guy. But he looks mm-hmm. up, and then he looks at the guy and says, "I that face, that smile." And then we get a panel showing like that. This is this is the Joker in this this yep. universe with this which, name, which would make sense because he was never pushed into the that by Batman, you know. So, you know, maybe he redeemed himself in some way and hit it hit it rich, and now he's this guy. Oh man, right? that's making a lot of assumptions. Like he could still be a psychopath here. He's just pretending oh, to no. be a good guy for sure. But what I'm saying is like with because of the whole organization of this building, it felt very purge-like to me to where, like, mm. this is where the rich live and they're protected from all of Dent and, and Arkham and all of this other stuff. And that's why at the beginning, Leslie's talking to Alfred about being safe when they go out, you know, because outside the building, they're not protected, yeah. you know? Yeah, which so, is good because it still shows that uh, she's a good character and Alfred's yeah. still good and all that. yeah. Um, but like, if like I mean, you're right about if this is the guy that's running this building, th- there's a hundred percent chance he's you know, kind of behind the rich people staying there. It's almost like um, like a ploy, right? Like he's helping yeah, Red Mask. He he may have never went theatrical like Joker, right. but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's not just as psychotic. Um, right. I will say like I have mixed feelings on this, like. The idea of him seeing a regular person and sort of still being able to tell that this is actually just this yeah. universe, like this is who the Joker is, but without becoming the Joker. I kind of like that idea, but I also don't like the idea of like hinting at who the Joker really is, like his name and stuff like that. Now, maybe this is just an alias this guy's taken in this world. Yeah. It's not really his name or anything like that. But, you know, it is treading on some territory that I don't particularly like. And this is something that John's also recently kind of mess with with his uh flashpoint beyond uh maybe contradictions to that are the best thing for it just so that it muddies the waters and makes it all a bit more yeah. like oh any one of these could be true so therefore it's a mystery mm-hmm. again but uh yeah also punchlines venomed out she comes out to to punch bruce yeah that was a little bit weird everything too right like just it almost felt like he was just picking characters to venomize right huh? like uh here because I don't know, Punchline, still finding her way to work with the Joker, you know, or, or does she work for Red Mask? I read this early in the week. I mean, well, Bruce just assumes it's Joker. There's no confirmation right. on anything else. Right. So, yeah. Her her still doing that, you know, that's a little bit weird, but yeah. It didn't, didn't, didn't stop me from, you know, getting through the book or anything like that, though. Yeah, and then Croc shows up as well. Uh, and <laughs> throws Bruce out a window. Throws Bruce out a window. Although Ooh. Bruce... Uh, you know, he uh, he fell he fell no. from the moon, Pete. So no, this is nothing. Well, no, 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 Matt, you're you're skipping over like several oh. pages here. He doesn't put Bruce out the window. Bruce puts Croc out the window. Oh, that's right. That's he, right. That's right. He puts Croc out the window. Then then Bruce has the moment where he sees Alfred, and yes. that sort of makes him pause. And then Selena and Punchline keep beating him up, and right. he gets shot by some stooge, whoever that is, yeah. uh, in the shoulder. That makes him go out the the window, that's right. and he, he he hangs on with a you know a rope or whatever it is. Right. Uh, and then he ends up falling to the the building across the street, mm-hmm. and we get the I can survive this because I've fallen from the moon, yeah. so this is no problem. Um, so two things here. Uh, one is the absurdity of him being able to survive this in the first place is eye rolling, yeah. right? Yeah. I think the fact that he directly references the even worse example that we did yeah. not like from before to justify it just annoyed me more. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
Because him, <laughs> him falling to the next level, and it's like three stories or whatever, I can buy that. But him going to the whole next building, you know, like... I don't know him dropping a couple, you know, like the the panel. The panel does not make it look like it's a, a small jump. No. This this looks no. like he's fallen a considerable amount of yeah. <laughs> and there's nothing really to break his fall, like you see in like old cartoons or old movies, like him falling through like shade structures or whatever. You know, um, the skylight. It's a, it's a just, drop. The skylight breaks yeah. his fall. <laughs> yeah, but like yeah, <laughs> yeah I, it's just yeah. I think clearly what's become clear is that one of the things I, I, I clearly disagree with Zarsky on is just this this way of, like, Batman just surviving all this shit. And it's not... My problem with it is that I think limitations on characters are good. And this is obviously yeah. a very widespread limitation that all human beings are supposed to have, is that they can only, like, survive certain things and whatnot. And I think it's very important for other characters that have superpowers to have clear rules about what those superpowers are, what they can do, and what the limitations of them are. And I think having him just survive things that he shouldn't, and it just feels a bit because Batman-like, just feels like, well, I can't reasonably expect that he can't just get out of a situation at any point because I've seen him just do it before. So there's no, like... like So it, it makes it hard for me to accept the threat of something else in the future, because I feel like he's just cheated his way out. And not, not the, the characters cheated his way out, but no. the writings cheated him out of yeah. situations. So well, it, it makes future threats feel less, like, impactful. I, it makes me feel they're less well, threatening. Yeah, and I just expect more from Zadarsi because him in the night, like, there was never impossible situations. There was tough situations that he got into. You know, some of the stuff with, with like, the, the cat thieves in, in Paris and, you mm. know... And and the stuff with Ra's al Ghul towards the end, you know. Um, but nothing that was ever, like, impossible, like, falling from the moon, you know. So it's like, I expect more from Zdarsky in his writing to not write himself into these type things. Um, so to see it, and then for him to reference it again, too. But, you know, let's be real. I probably would have just forgotten about it because I read so many comics mm-hmm. about him falling from space. But then he reminded me in this issue. And it was only, like, what, two issues ago? He did that? Yeah, it was, it was like the second last oh. issue of the last arc, yeah. so maybe three issues ago. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. Um, it, it, yeah, it's so weird, though, because like, I feel like they don't really have to change anything other than just have the art make it more clear that it's like a more believable drop. But mm-hmm. everything about the art makes it look like he's falling for ages and yeah. then he's, he's diving. And then obviously the narration box referencing the moonfall, it's just kind of like, oh, okay, yeah. whatever. I will say though, the last couple of pages I like though, because he get, he stumbles out of the building and he sees mm-hmm. like the corrupt cops, like you know, harassing someone, beating yep. someone up in an alley, and he chooses to intervene. Very heroic thing to do, obviously. Mm-hmm. But the big thing here in the narration is that this city's terrified, but there it's the wrong people who are terrified. It's not mm-hmm. you know regular people, innocent people are terrified, and the, the people mm-hmm. in power are the ones like dishing out the fear. So this is kind of what inspires him to be like, you know what, no. Like, the fear dynamic in this version of Gotham is wrong. And it may, it may not be my Gotham, but it's still a Gotham. Mm-hmm. So, yes, Gotham, I shall become a bat. Like, the actual, the last couple pages I thought were good. This is almost like a flip of, like, some of the other issues mm-hmm. from the past arc where I liked most of the issue, and then the, the cliffhanger at the, the end was like, yeah. was like, oh, I don't know about that. This was kind of the yeah. opposite where there was a lot of stuff in the middle where I'm like, I don't know if I really like this that much. I'm not sure. Like, there's good points. There's bad points to it. And then it got to the last couple of pages and I was like, I like that. <laughs> I like this moment. 
<laughs> yeah, well, I also like, too, that he stands up for these, even though he's just taking this fall, right? Mm-hmm. But he still sticks up for these people to fight these cops, and then he, like, almost, like, passes out, right? Because he's laying down there in the alley, too, right? If I'm remembering things right? Oh, yeah, after after he's done fighting the cop, yeah. I, he's, he's on the And, like, he, he just passes out, and it's like, he's gonna give it his all, no matter what, because he doesn't know, he doesn't know how to do anything else. So... Yeah. yeah, and it's almost yeah. like uh, like skeleton Gordon who fades away mm-hmm. as he's passing out, and he tells yeah. him to strike fear. So it's almost like he's become his father in this, like for this version yeah. of Gotham, like he, he's the one giving him the uh, inspiring him. Yeah, so it's almost like skeleton Gordon represents Gotham itself, yeah, rather than you know a father figure, which is yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like the ending. I like thematically, mm-hmm. like those elements of it. Um. I am intrigued by him interacting with this Alfred and what that's going to mean to him. It's a little watered down because we just had him interact with an Alfred in Batman versus Robin. So they're maybe mm-hmm. milking that a little bit too much, too close together. Mm-hmm. But potentially there is some interesting things there that we have this alternate universe version of Alfred. And, you know, and I like science fiction. And one of my favorite things about alternate universe stories in science fiction is the idea of exploring something with a character who was already gone but you get to sort of like mm-hmm. examine the differences and kind of re- reaffirm some of the core qualities to our main character by how they respond to another version of this character. Like there's, there's definitely things you can do with that that I think there's potential here for. Um, the number of characters that are in the story, though, that are being referenced, they need to have a Joker, they need to have, uh, you know, Harvey, we've got this mysterious red mask. There's maybe just a little too much going on and too many characters that we're shuffling that it just kind of feels like we want to reference a lot of characters rather than there's some key two or three important ones that we're really going to focus on and yeah. make a big deal out of. So that, that would be my my other thing with I this. I almost felt like it was too early to reference the Joker because I wouldn't mm. mind them like putting that off for a little bit, you know, yeah. um, instead of giving us that direct comparison. To where, like, Bruce hears him laugh or whatever in another meeting. I was like, that's oddly familiar. You know, because he's more focused on, you know, Dent at that point, let's say. Sure, yeah. But, you know, like, I don't mind Croc showing up. It's always like Croc is a muscle type figure. So, you know, certain of these characters popping up, it's, you know, just in their typical roles. I think it's fine. Yeah. Uh, my other kind of mark against the issue is that I wasn't that into the art for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I don't really like the faces, particularly the mouths on the faces. I was finding myself kind of, there's a lot of kind of like just sort of upper pouting sort of yeah. <laughs> going on. I, I can't really, I, I was trying to do it for the video version of the podcast, but for, for you know, I, there's, there's a lot of scenes where the way like the lips are sort of pointing up the way just kind of looked a bit weird mm-hmm. to me. Um, uh, Everything's all maybe a little... <sighs> I don't want to say too clean because I, I like plenty of clean art, but it's it's clean in a way that I don't like. Yeah, and maybe that's more due to the coloring than the uh, the line work itself. But uh, the the end result is one that I'm kind of just very lukewarm on. It's kind of like a a very middling uh, comic for art for me. Um, <laughs> the layouts themselves are fine. There's nothing wrong with the layouts, and I think I think Skeleton Gordon does look quite good. But yes, uh, all of the well, regular people, I don't think I don't like how they look. Yeah, so Skeleton Gordon's overly cartoony. So yeah, it, it and he doesn't have lips. He doesn't have lips. That's the yeah. He's, he's a, a skeleton. He's a, he's a so. skull with a mustache. Yeah. So. <laughs> he inherently looks good because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that that'd be my other thing. So yeah, I mean, we'll get to the ratings in a bit. We've got the backup to to mention, mm-hmm. uh, which is that Tim 
um, has figured out that this uh, Toy Man's gun that was used... He, Toy Man was actually sending people to another universe before, and he suspects that this gun sent Batman somewhere, so maybe he can go and find him. He has to help a Mr. Terrific to uh, basically... And most of this backup, really, honestly, is just like explaining stuff so that we understand where Tim is going and why he's doing it. Yes. Uh, and that's all it really is. He has a quiet moment with, with Bernard, his, uh, mm-hmm. his current boyfriend, um, before he goes. But ultimately, it's all just set up for Tim traversing the multiverse looking for Bruce. Uh, and the swerve here is that he doesn't go where Bruce is. He goes to the universe that Toy Man was sending people to. Uh, and it was basically just Toy Man's own little toy box universe, or or at least a place in another universe that he's made his yeah, little he's town. Yeah, he's using the toy box. And that that uh, thing in the last issue we saw when he shot himself with a gun, it was a send himself there. Yeah, it wasn't suicide. So, it was it was send so himself. Could, yeah. It, so he'd be the overlord and stuff, which which I'm just like. So when the Toy Man's gun would swapping people, it was swapping them with toy versions of themselves, right? Mm-hmm. So in theory, there should have been a toy version of Batman that showed up when he got shot with this somewhere. Right? Um, Maybe that was only if Toy Man himself was was using... In, in charge of it? Okay. I don't know. So like... this is just more like a multiversal gun that it's... Yeah, because it was, cause it was fail-safe who used it on Batman. Right, right. So... so I, I suspect that was more just Toy Man covering his tracks to make it look like people were dead. Gotcha. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah, it's, it's a weird choice, for sure. It's a weird choice. This was uh, a weird choice because I, I appreciated the backup in the last issue a bit more because it felt like, okay, we're doing this multi, this other, other Earth stuff. Seeing Tim in the regular universe investigate it is like, okay, this is a tether to the real world. It's mm-hmm. a tether to what's going on with the other characters. Here it kind of dropped that because now Tim's yeah. also going around the universe or around the multiverse universal quest yeah. yeah and instead of like him getting close to anything it seems like it's now going to be a story with him dealing with toy man and toy man's own little bubble yeah uh which makes it feel less relevant because before yeah. it felt very relevant to what's going on and well, now it feels like yeah. it's splintered off into its own thing because it was tim dealing with the death of his mentor or perceived death of his mentor you know and that can't be true we got to figure all this out you know I'll find a way. There's a way. He's Batman. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that here it was just more like, oh, Toy Man, device, multiverse. Cool. So I will give a credit. It read super fast. So, yeah, oh, sure. did not bog me down. So uh, credit, credit where that's due. Um, and I, th- I like the art in the backup a little bit more than the main two. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it hits that stylized Toy Man. You know, those dolls look super creepy. You know, the dead eyes work there. So. Um, who's the art there? Because it was Zdarsky. Uh, it was Miguel Madoncha. Madoncha. Well, there we go. I like Madoncha's art. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. No, I, I, I. It was okay, but it, it definitely felt like it was pivoting away and just into its own little thing, and that was kind of not why I wanted from the backup. Because the last one, it was like, oh, this is my tether back to the real Gotham to see what's going on and all the rest of it, and now. I'm sure it'll tie in a little bit by the end, but it kind of feels like next issue is just going to be Tim like, oh shit, I'm in Toy Man's world and I'm running from all these all these uh, puppets and whatnot. I'm going to have mm-hmm. to deal with this. It feels like it's just like a, a side quest for the purpose of having a side quest now as opposed to being integral to what's going on with, with Batman right. and the main plot. And that's a little disappointing to me, I think. So, yep. um, 
Yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm kind of lukewarm in the issue, even though I do really like the end of the main story and I like some of the themes that are coming up. I think I'm a little lukewarm on it as a whole, and certainly this arc as a whole, because I felt kind of, you know, not too dissimilar last issue. Mm. But uh, what are you giving Batman 1C2? So I'll give the, the front part a 6.5. I'll give the backup a 7.5 for a total of 7. I think I will just give the whole thing a 6.5. I think that's as high as I'm willing to go. So yeah. So yeah, so that this arc's feeling a little bit like, okay, we have to get through this arc to get to the next arc, because I know Zarsky can do well, and I feel like this is just, there's too many things in this one that is just it's not the, uh, the all-timer. Sadly, I think Zarsky, from what I've read of it, I think he's Daredevil's better, like much better. <laughs> Yeah. Which is a shame. I read but... the first two trades are very solid of Daredevil. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I read the first three. So, uh, so far, I'd say that that's a much better mm-hmm. series from him. But, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes uh, as, yeah. as the arc progresses. All right. The Flash, 792, Jeremy Adams writing with Roger Cruz on the art. So, this is the next part of the One Minute mm-hmm. War. And uh, we get some practical kind of follow-ups to, to what's going on. The characters are trying to figure out what mm-hmm. their, their plan should be. Uh, yeah. The bulk of the issue focuses on uh, Wallace and Bart, because Bart uh-huh. runs off half-cocked to try and... Because uh, the adults mention briefly that, oh, we need to get some of their like tech to see how it works we, with the speed force. Yeah, and we can't... And Jay's like, we can't get in because the door closes so quick, even for us, so... Uh, which leads Bart to have an, you know, an idea to live up to his name of Impulse, which I love. Every time he mentions that, I do love that he's, you know, like I don't think things through. What do you expect? Um, and I like the dynamic between him and Wallace, right? Where, you know, Wallace is he's still young, but he's not impulsive, right? He has better control over his actions and thoughts than Bart does, so it, it makes them feel distinct, and they're not just, you know. Two Kid Flash-esque characters, right? They're both unique in their own way. And it, it showcases how that is by having them interact, which I love. I would I would read a, a miniseries of these two, just teaming up for nonsense, you know. Oh, sure. Um, but based off of this one alone. And again, it shows that Jeremy Adams has a very like great grasp on these characters across the board, not just Wally and Barry and, and all of them, but down the whole down the whole line of the family. Yeah, so obviously there's a bit of aftermath to Iris' death, which uh, the characters are all really somber about. But they start talking about all this stuff, which leads to the kids racing off. Well, it leads to Bart racing off, and Wallace goes out over, over yeah. to catch him and try to get him to come back, but that doesn't obviously work out for him. Uh, and we get that uh, the, the what's, what's his name? The Admiral uh, mm-hmm. is like pissed that, that no one's caught the organics. He wants them all dead now. He's getting pissed. So it said all this stuff. Uh, we see, um, uh, what was her name? Mistress Death? Miss Murder. Miss Murder, that was it. Which, Miss... uh, I, I, I could tell you who she is now. Uh, definitely, definitely a, a dark multiverse, uh, Miss Martian. Uh, yeah. They keep calling her a hunter. She doesn't, you know, smell her sight. It's, it's all your thoughts and that's how she catches you. Oh, okay. You know? Okay, I see where you're yeah. getting that from now. Okay. So she's definitely a telepath of that, right? And you know, so and I just I like her being there for that, you know. And it shows that they've been to the dark multiverse, um, yeah, uh, as one of their places, and they picked her up, uh, t- 
Because that's how messed up the, the fraction are. Is they saw one of these dark versions from the dark multiverse and were like, hey, we can use her. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the Flash family go to uh, Mr. Terrific's lab. Uh, Wally gets them in. And they're going to work from there. Uh, mainly because they think it'll be safe from everything. Meanwhile, yeah. we get Bart and Wally sneaking around the uh, the spire. It's very... Uh, uh, Death Star. It's very the original Star mm-hmm. Wars with them sneaking around and like avoiding mm-hmm. the guards and yep. looking for uh, what they find is a power supply, which their plan is to just take out. So of course the entire thing starts to like run out of yep. juice and they're like, wait, why is their battery gone? And very quickly they end up getting attacked and the battery cracks open and it turns out there's a person in there. Yeah, uh, we get a, one, of, one of the conduit. Yeah, we get a, a kid in there who. Uh, they race off with, they take him with them, and they steal one of the uh, the, the tank things. Um, they also, they get around, uh, uh, what's her name again? Miss Murder? Miss Murder. I keep wanting to say Missy's death. It's so close. Yeah. It uh, doesn't, it helps me too that like there's an AF, uh, AFI song called Miss Murder. Uh, so it's ingrained in my brain. But anyway, um, so she, she's chasing them and they're, they're basically getting their asses handed to them. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, when they realize that she can tell what they think, because because the, uh, yep. the, ca- the the guy that was in the battery that, that, that's kind of weak and yeah. they're kind of carrying, he knows some stuff and he's like, no, she uses her thoughts, you can't use that. He knows yeah. how the place works. And they're like, oh shit, well, let's just not think then. And Bart's like, see, I'm impulsive, this is where it's going to come in handy. This is perfect. Just just I... act, don't think. Yeah, yeah so yeah. that's how they get away. They steal one of the, uh, the tank things and mm-hmm. uh, race off. And it's a fun sequence, you know, Miss Murder yeah. jumps on top of it, they skid around, um, it's uh, a good bit of action. It, it feels like the kids are getting one over on the villains, which is kind of yeah. nice at this point in the story. Mm-hmm. Especially since, you know, if we're, if we're dealing with the sadness of Iris seemingly having died, mm-hmm. having this more lighter part of the story to sort of lift well, us up again is kind of a nice and counterbalance I, to that. And I'm just that too. This, this issue's full of them too because I got a chuckle out of them putting Mr. Terrific's eye up to the scanner so they can get into the, um, so they can get into the mm, lab. Yeah. Uh, that gave me a chuckle too that they brought him along so they can get in and he's the key so um but yeah he's uh, adams is, is balancing the the you know the sorrow with the comedy here pretty well yeah so they they race back to the house with the with the tank thing and they get out obviously some of the adults there ain't max mercury and wally are there and they're kind of like hey you shouldn't have ran off and done that and they're like, no, hey, we, we got this kid, we are here, we we found one of their, their some of their tech, you can examine it now. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, but there's like a storage part in the back of this, you know, it's like a truck kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, what's in the back? And they open it. And the cliffhanger of this issue is that in the back, we have Superman, Grodd, and who was the third character? There was Captain else. Adam. Captain Adam. And they're, I wouldn't say frozen per se, because they're not frozen, yeah. but they're, no. because obviously time's moving so fast, they're basically just still. So, yeah. The Fraction have been kidnapping powerful people. Mm-hmm. Well, grudge not people, but you know what I mean. Powerful beings yeah. from around Earth. Um, and I like this, because one of the things that I liked about this premise, but we talked about maybe in the first issue, is one of the things that I loved about this as a, an idea for a Flash story, is that it's this cataclysmic thing where the entire world's in jeopardy, but because only the speedsters are aware of it and can comprehend what's going on, and all of the other heroes are all just effectively frozen in time, Mm-hmm. It means that the only ones that can deal with it, and that makes it such a specific to this family of characters to do it. So this coming in here, it kind of feel like, oh, we're acknowledging that these other heroes are still around, but they're all just mm-hmm. 
They're all they're all they're all basically vulnerable. They're all just waiting there to be picked off right. by these villains if they want them. Uh, which which tells me too that they've also done homework because those are all three really powerful. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, powerhouses of characters. And it makes you wonder who else is in some of those other mm-hmm. trucks and, like, containment cells. Yeah. Like, they've, they've got a lot of For things. Sure. And the other question, I suppose, is who is this kid? I assume he's a speedster from another yeah. universe. Which, as as we've seen, you know, and with Adam's other stuff, he, he'd hinted about this with the Mad Max Flash stuff. So I'm That's sure right. it's from yeah. one of those ones that we've seen and we'll be shocked. In a good way, not a bad way. Although, we is. know that their connection to the Speed Force like, is like, mm-hmm. kind of their tech that started all this in the first yeah. place. Like, is this someone from their own planet that they they developed this from? So it has like, no, a dark remember, start No, because remember, he's an organic conduit. That's why he was in the, the battery cell. So That's right, that's uh, right, that's right, yeah. that's right. Which which cracks me up, because the way that they broke it open is this Bart didn't have any other plan besides ram the guards with mm-hmm. the battery. And that's where it broke up and they found out he yeah. was in there. So well, that, he's definitely a speedster from somewhere. Well, this explains why they want to collect organics then, mm-hmm. because they can use them as power sources with their speed force connection. Right. Uh, that makes some sense. So Well and and I don't see I don't know if this is where Adam's gonna go because in the new fifty two, Grodd had a connection to the speed force. Right? That was one of the his his things to when he became the king of Gorilla City. So I'm wondering uh... if, if that's in there. Also, Superman lightly touches the Speed Force. They've they've talked in like Johns's run. That's where you know some of his his super speed comes from. Um, I mean stuff. that's that's a, that's a bit of a stretch for me, just because it's mm-hmm. it, it was postured in one run briefly. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone remembers that or talks about well, it. I remember it, but I'm also I, Superman and Flashman. So, the, the fact the fact um, that Superman and Captain Atom are also there would make me think yeah. they're not going to bring up Grodd's connection to the Speed Force. But, yeah, probably not. But uh, and then with Captain Adam too, because he's quantum powered, you know. And if comic books have taught me anything, quantum and 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 speed stuff go together. So um, there's definitely a reason why all three of them were were you know put into the same place by the fraction. I just don't know what that reason is yet. Well, I well I feel like that you're assuming it's just those three, whereas I'm assuming there's a lot more, and this is just the three well, that no, were in this those, containment. Right, but those three in general together, right? Like that tells me there's some form of plan from the faction that they put these three together, even if they're collecting others, you know, because um, you would you would assume that I don't know where Adam, Captain Adam is, but Superman is in Metropolis. And then you'd think that Grodd's either on the run somewhere or in Gorilla City, you know, so why why were they bringing them all back to to there? I don't necessarily think it's to be a conduit. You know, or just to remove them from the board. Well, I think everyone, so. I think everyone they're kidnapping is coming back to there. I don't think that's specific to these three. Hmm. Because I'm assuming they're kidnapping yeah. more. I, I don't necessarily yeah. think there's a connection between these three that wouldn't also be shared by other examples they, they may have kidnapped. There's maybe a reason why Adams has picked yeah. these three because he wants right. to use them in the story later. Right. Uh, but I'm just now, to... do, do get me wrong. It could be yes. the all energy based. It could be the Superman right. supercharged from the sun, Captain right. Atom's quantum energy and whatever, right. and then Grodd telepath telepathic energy. Whatever. Yeah, maybe maybe it's yeah. all energy based and that's all all fine. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't really care so much about why anyway. Like I mean, oh, that's no. that's like a plot thing they'll get to it's, whatever. Yeah, for, no. For me, it's just it's curious. For and, for me, it's know. more interesting just because of how it connects back to this idea that all of these right. other powerful characters are just completely useless Helpless. in this yeah. in this situation and 
the Flash characters now have other people they have to save. They have like all these other heroes yeah. they have to try and hold. Because not only they might be able to beat the fraction back, but what if they still have some of these heroes in their like mm-hmm. control or in their cells when they leave? Like they have to make sure they get everyone out. Basically, they have yeah. to free everyone before they. Right. But you know, otherwise it's not blow it up. Otherwise, it's not just a it's not a victory. Like if if they get away with like half of Earth's like superheroes, then right. shit. Like they've kidnapped, you know, you know, uh, Cold Snap's been taken by the yeah. <laughs> by by the fraction, and he's on another Earth. Yeah. I mean, or or it could be one of these things where they're trying to you know, you know, reverse their you know, not reverse the technology or whatever, but how how can they use these type to for their own gain? You know, like you were talking about their power source. Like what? What can they learn from Superman's physiology, of you know pulling energy from the sun, or whatever? So, but yeah, no, really, really good stuff. I just um, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying this one minute war. It's a fun little gimmick, um, and and you know the Bart and Wallace together is something that I thoroughly enjoy through two issues at this point. So, want more of that? It was a nice light story to counteract the heaviness of where. Like the story had left off from last main issue um and even to an extent the uh, special which obviously went into really murderous territory and it did have mm-hmm. me thinking throughout the issue i'm like oh when's this when's godspeed gonna you know pop up me too uh so yeah looking out for that uh going forward i i suspect it's going to be a thing where he ends up kind of like helping the the heroes not because mm-hmm. he wants to but kind of in that because like the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of thing mm-hmm. i can see him like distracting the villains by like stabbing a bunch of them whilst the flash found they're trying to like I, stop everything you know <laughs> I definitely feel like he's the counter to miss murder oh yeah that's cool. what, that's what i think so there's something there to that there's something yeah. there um now interesting yeah no enjoy, enjoying the arc a lot it's definitely the mm-hmm. the biggest best arc that this this flash runs had and mm-hmm. uh is is you know been consistently enjoyable so far so uh, what are you rating the Flash seven nine two? And I suppose mention the art because we haven't really talked about that. Oh yeah, no. So Roger Cruz is definitely who was doing the art in the ones before. I'm terrible. Oh, I, I think it's been different every issue. This art. Yeah. So I'll say Roger Cruz is serviceable enough. Like it's not. He's not my favorite, but I also am not like bothered that it's his art. So I think he draws the speed stuff really. It may really have, well. actually. It may have been Cruz in the first issue, and then it switched okay. to someone else in the it's second switched. issue, and this is back okay. to him, which would make sense yeah. because it's it's right. twice a month just now. So twice a month, right? So yeah, again, it's not my favorite, but it's it's definitely not bad. It's just it's stylistically there's some uh, manga influences in there that I yeah, can tell. So there's definitely some angular things at times. Mm-hmm. I think it works well on the kid characters, but I will yeah. say that everyone looks a bit young. Like Barry and Wally both look like they're teenagers. Yeah. Uh, so. I think yeah. that's something to mention. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I do. I do miss Pissarin because Pissarin on the, uh, yes. the the regular issues before this event started or before this arc started. Uh, yeah. I really like the work on that, and, and maybe this is the the right ideas to like do this like, arc with others and then have him yeah. come back for the next regular story. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so all right, what are you rating, uh, Flash? I'm giving this an uh, eight point five. Yeah, I'll, I'll just go straight eight, I think. But it's a really enjoyable issue. Uh, I'm digging Flash a lot right now, uh, which is good. All right. Uh, Poison Ivy, issue nine, G. Willow Wilson, and... Uh, oh, it's Takara, Mauricio isn't it? Mauricio Takara, yep. yeah. I've not changed that name. Whatever I replaced that was on this list before, yeah. I had a completely different artist written down, but I knew it was wrong. Uh, yeah. On you go. It's Takara. So this issue is a 
you can definitely tell that it's not quite a placeholder, but um, Ivy has just saved the, the one lady with her cancer, and they're living in Seattle together. And Ivy's starting to have some doubts about this mission because they've moved to a part of Seattle that is still very entrenched in, like, Earth and the plants. And she's just like, yeah, this is kind of living in harmony. It should be like this. Um, and then there's a knock at the door. And it's none, none other than Pam's girlfriend, Harley. Um, and there's a lot of love and affection throughout this book. Um that these two have missed each other. And we find out that a lot of the narration that Pam had been writing were letters to Harley. Cause Harley mentions that, you know, she, she could tell how she was feeling in the letters that she had sent back to Gotham. Um, and so they get together and, you know, it's what couples do after they've been apart for a while, they immediately hit the bedroom. Um, and slam the door on on her roommate. Um, and as they're laying in bed together, uh, Pam starts worrying about the Lamia because she's like, I gotta constantly keep this in check. I've been using this to basically touch into my powers because I've lost them since I was Queen Ivy. And Harley's like, well, I, I wanna know what this is like. Can you, you infect me? You can control the infections. Like you beat Woodrow, you know, and Ivy's like, I don't know. Maybe it's not the, the smartest thing. But Harley's like, when have I ever done what's the smartest thing? Um, and this is all wonderfully drawn by by Takara. Like the, the layouts here, there's not a lot of space between Harley and Ivy, which is really nice because it's really playing into, you know, their body language and their closeness and, and all of that type of stuff. So um, Ivy hits her with a little dose of the spores in she essentially starts like she's tripping on on mushrooms. She starts seeing all the colors and all of the, you know, the different shapes and uh, stuff that, that anytime Ivy is fully given in that we've seen. Um, and uh, Harley's like, yeah, I, I like this. I want to do this more. So they go out into Seattle while Harley's kind of rolling on on this psychedelic. And she she realizes that it's basically it's, Ivy is now through this infection with the fungus is allowing other people to see what the green is like. And it's almost like unlocking this empathy because as Harley's experiencing the stuff, they're going around Seattle and she is seeing almost like Seattle from the beginning of time. So she's seeing the plants and like all the other creatures. So as they're like in this downtown area with this, you know, so Seattle has one of those big, like London eye um, Ferris wheels. Uh, over off of a pier and while they're by this one she looks down the street and she sees like this big huge tree with like surrounded by mastodons and she's like yeah i saw everything that used to be here this is it's like not breaking her brain but definitely forcing her into a different perspective um and and ivy is just like well yeah this like the delirium doesn't scare you you this is kind of always who you've been you're okay with with these kind of battling thoughts and, and struggles. Um, and um, so, you know, her trip ends basically and they're, they're walking through like famous landmarks through Seattle and they get to talking about, you know, Ivy's whole mission. And she's like, well, you know, Harley tells Pam, you're not this like queen bad guy. 
Like, I know you think you are, because that's what you've tried to convince everybody, but there's a good person in there still. If not, I wouldn't be here. And, you know, and she's like, well, no, you know, I'm only like this because of, of the parasite. Like, this is not me. Like, I had all the evil intentions. This is the parasite doing this. And she goes, no, I don't think so, because I followed your trail here to Seattle, and uh, there's more stuff. So she pulls out her phone, and there's a little funny scene where she keeps pulling stuff out of her pockets, very Looney Tune style. There's like a rubber duck and then like a mini like judge's mallet, right? Before she finally gets to her phone, where she shows her, you know, the you know the garden that that Ivy helped plant a couple issues ago, right after the Woodrow stuff, is become like a full-on botanical garden. There's those giant trees, and um, the picture that Harley shows her is you know with the lady that was working there. Um, and she's like, yeah, you completely changed the, the, you know, biogenetic stuff in that area. So you're not, you are still in touch with the green. It's just different. And Harley uses her psych psychiatry side to be like, yeah, I think like something happened when you're queen Ivy and you feel, you feel neutered. Like you feel like something was taken from you and this is all just a mental block. And she, uh, Harley offers uh, Ivy to come back to Gotham with her. Um, and, you know, they, they start kissing in the rain. And um, Ivy's like, no, I can't. I have to stay here, you know. Um, and um, they hug on, on their way back. And um, or as, as Harley's leaving, they hug and, you know, she goes, you know, but once you're done doing whatever you're doing, come come back to me, please. And uh, this is one of the lines that stuck really well with me. And this is why I like Wilson as a writer, because uh, she says, you know, uh, uh, Ivy tells Harley, a bird may love a fish, but where would they live? And Harley just looks back over her and is like, no, you, you know, the answer is silly. It's penguins and penguins love Gotham. Right. So they, they look and that's where the, it ends is. You know, Pam standing in the doorway watching Harley as she leaves. Um, and, you know, she says, yep, uh, as, as soon as I'm done, you know, she tells Janet, her roommate, start packing. We've got work to do and that her destination is towards Harley. So um, really enjoyed this issue for someone that was such anti Harley Quinn as much as I have. These current crop of writers that have have used her to varying degrees, whether it's been Tynan or Taylor or I'm trying to think who else is done stuff with Harley that's not just Sejic. Um, I feel like when she's almost like a seasoning that if you get too much of her, it kind of ruins the meal, but the right amount really elevates it. Uh, and of course, you can't really have a proper Ivy story without Harley at this point. They're so entwined. Um, so yeah, just seeing that she, you know, brings up the best in Pam and that Pam was all full of self-doubt until she had talked with her, you know, her, her main squeeze uh, was just a really nice sentimental issue. Um, and again, this is in that weird zone where we didn't know if it was an ongoing or anything. So it's kind of like Wilson just trying to get out all of her Harley and Ivy stuff in this one issue. And I think she does it really well. And then just the art, too. This is definitely up for art of the week for me, because just the way that Takara dry, draws all of these characters and, you know, again, the the breakdowns and how close they're constantly standing and, you know, the body language between them. Uh, it's just really nice. And their colors bounce well off of each other because, you know, Harley's all in the black and red. And then you have Pam in the green with her red hair. 
and they just they weirdly complement each other in that way. Um, so so yeah, uh, thoroughly enjoyed this issue. Glad to have Takara back on art. Um, I'm gonna give us an eight point five. Okay, cool. Uh, Gotham City, Year One, Issue Five. Tom King writing with Phil Hester on the art. Obviously, we had the the cliffhanger last time mm-hmm. of implicating Richard Wayne and everything that was going on. And then this issue, of course, was had, was tasked with explaining that. And uh, so Queenie is the uh, the name of mm-hmm. uh, the, the the girl here who you know gave, gave Slam the letter, was kind yeah. of involved, has been looked for by the police and all that. Um, so it turns out that Richard started an affair with her. She was working at a hotel, and mm-hmm. he ended up seeing her, and they started this affair. He got her the gig at the nightclub that she mm-hmm. she wanted, um, and then ultimately wanted to use her in a ploy to steal his own baby to get ransom money that he could then use to divorce his wife, because his wife is, you know legally owns everything he does and has half of it and all the rest he's, of it he's that guy in the family that is terrible with money but mm-hmm. he's the you know the heir and so uh constance his wife is the one that keeps all control of it so according to queenie this was his ploy to get that money uh and it seems like his daughter got caught up in the crossfire well, she she only knows that it was to, <clears throat> she she she's under the impression that it was to get money so that he could That's then right. divorce her, right? right? It's not until later it becomes clear that, that no, he had no interest in like right. marrying Queenie and like leaving his no. wife. He just wanted to get the money so that he could mm-hmm. keep gambling and getting mm-hmm. prostitutes and whatever yep. else he does with all this money that he, he throws away. <laughs> so real real quick, I'm I'm watching Always Sunny and I'm through. Uh, I'm in where they've introduced Frank, and uh, uh-huh. and, and and Wayne is very much. A freight character here with the boozing <laughs> and the gambling and the whoring you know uh i could not help but think that reading this this week oh very uh, good yes uh so. so yeah and we also get the context for how slams guy that he sent after that you know that day he got him to go follow her and yeah. he turned up dead we get the context of that which is that he saw and even took some photos of her with mm-hmm. wayne and tried to blackmail her and then Wayne and her, or Wayne really was the one that killed him. Yeah. But uh, she, she, she didn't realize that it was going to be a violent thing. She thought they were going to pay him off or something. Yeah. But it was Wayne that killed him in the rain that night. So kept kept, kept shooting. He only unloaded the whole clip into him. Um, I also like that that Slam gets into how they met. Is you know, him and this guy. They they he knew about him when he was on the force, and then when he left the force because of you know the stuff that he had done, the blow up and whatever. He knew that to be a PI, he needed some of these like lower scumbag types. And this was like his best guy. So they ended up becoming kind of partners. Uh, and he kind of does feel responsible for for the reason that he got killed. Although it does seem to me as a as an impartial person that this guy was going to scumbag no matter what. You know, so Slam shouldn't feel too bad. Kind of seems that way. Well, he says he felt <clears> nothing <throat> when he found out he died. Oh, is that what it is? He says oh, that. Yeah. Gotcha. Direct quote. Um, you and you get this great page where uh, Wayne and Queenie kissed in the rain after he died. Mm-hmm. Almost like Wayne was like proud of himself in that Relishing moment. Relishing in it. Yeah. He had to be a tough guy finally, which again, a lot a lot revealed about Wayne here, right? For someone that said that he, he hated smoking, according to his wife, right? He's, he's smoking and drinking this entire time, you know? So he's definitely, mm-hmm. they're definitely playing with perspectives here. King is definitely working us here. 
Yeah, and then obviously we, we get the, the night where Queenie got the money and then the baby didn't turn up and then eventually it was found in the, the you know, the back yeah. garden of her uncle's house. It you know, she's been set up here, she thought the baby was fine, she was going to drop mm-hmm. off at a hospital, but then it was gone. And she didn't think anything of it. She assumed Wayne had someone else pick yeah. him up or pick her up, sorry. And, you know, then it turned out where it where it showed yeah. up. And it's like, okay, so no one's going to believe me now. Now I've been framed. And this seems to be like, you know, we have to figure this out. And Slam wants to figure it out because they both feel like they've been screwed by, you know, these people. In by fact, Wayne's. Wayne, yeah, Slam even asks, um, huh? like, why did you pick me? And she's like, mm-hmm. you were the first one in the phone book. Your yeah. name was first because of Bradley. Alphabetical. Yeah. Um, and also it's up against this, this, I'm trying to find the right word because it's, it's not a ticking clock, but. There's riots going on in the South Side now at the the death of Elena Wayne. Yeah, right? it's, it's background throughout the issue yeah. that uh, because of what's happened, the city's starting to erupt and there's like mm-hmm. fires, there's looting, yeah. uh, just general chaos is happening. Yeah. And that that's kind of this backdrop. You hear it on the, the, the radio in the car at one point. You see it towards the end of the issue. Yeah. So, yeah, it's doing all this. Um, Slam takes Queenie to his mother, the fortune teller, mm-hmm. who was introduced before. Mm-hmm. And uh, she tries to read her and basically says that, you know, if, if it turns out you're lying, like Slam will shoot you at the end of this. Uh, and she basically can't take all these readings uh, that, that are given to her. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, you know, it's, it, it, the readings are saying, oh, you're the fool. You know, you were frightened. You've been used. Uh, you know, you, um, You've given up it's on like, your own worth and you're looking for yeah. something larger. It, it basically hits her with all these sort of criticisms and she starts crying. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like she feels attacked almost. Mm-hmm. And she flips the table and doesn't finish and runs out. Uh, and then that's when we see some of the riot and we see, and these are right. gorgeous pages as well. Uh, all the, uh, Hester is killing it here because it, it feels like a pressure cooker for sure. Yeah, it's all, like, all, it, it, all the origins and yellows of mm-hmm. the, the fire and the car lights yeah. and all that. Everything's really harsh and uh, yeah. kind of. You know, and then it contrasts immediately when you go to the it's like a hotel room or whatever it is yeah. uh, it's with, all cool like the cooler yeah. colors the blues and the purples mixed in there yeah I really love that tarot scene because the it was super harrowing when you see that Slam has a gun pointed to the back of her head and when the mom's like yeah and if we you know he deems that you're not telling the truth that's it and it was just like man I was at the edge of my seat reading this to you know and when she has that breakdown to me, I read it as that's how they told that she was telling the truth mm. is that she had such a breakdown of, I can't do this. I got used, you know, they can, they know that it wasn't her that, you know, was on the, the hook for all of this. Um, and that she has to be telling at least what she thinks is the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cause obviously there's another reveal by the end here, mm-hmm. but the Sam goes to the you know the the old friend that was working for the Waynes, the security guy. He goes to his house and drags him out of bed, throws him out his window, and demands to know like because he assumes like, hey, you must have been the one that that did this. You must have gotten the baby yeah. uh, at Wayne's behest and did what you did. This was you. And he throws him on like out the window onto his car roof, and then he gets into his car and drives down the street <laughs> with this guy on the roof of the car, and then hits the brake so he goes flying off. So. Uh, this is probably the most action-packed scene yes. that we've had in this entire series, to be honest. Yeah. But it was very the, good. The line that got me from Slam was he threw him onto the roof of his car. 
And he goes, and I had to duck because of the dent that he made in it. <laughs> that is, again, that is some hard-boiled pulp, you know, detective stuff. I was like, oh, man, Kane, you're you're killing it here. Uh, yeah. And then just the way that Hester draws it, too, like you say, in all the action pack, the only other scene that comes to mind was um, when, when Slam goes to get the baby in the last issue, mm. and he has that fight with, with the guy with the gun, um, with the shotgun. Um, that was another really fun. Oh, sure. Scene. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're but nothing right. like this. This is upper levels. This cranks that up even more. Yeah. Uh, also have to acknowledge the sound effect is the word slam at the, yeah. when, he, when he throws him off the roof. On uh, the brakes. But uh, yeah, so he's asking all these questions about like, so you must have done this. You you must have been the guy who did this for, for Wayne. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out that no, he doesn't work for Wayne. He works for Constance. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were hired to kind of keep Wayne in line to make sure he doesn't go out and like spend all the money and you know uh, make sure because he owes bad people money as well because he's mm-hmm. he's borrowing money and it's to protect him from those bad people coming for him. Um, and it's like yeah, we work for the wife. And then the end of the issue is Slam on his way to Wayne Manor and the city's kind of burning behind him as he drives in to the into Wayne Manor. Uh, and then the last the gates it's yeah. almost like he's going into the gates of hell themselves yeah the last panel actually shows the manor itself being on fire uh mm-hmm. it obviously isn't literal but that's kind of what yeah. it feels like but it's kind of like it's kind of like constance found out and then seemingly and maybe there'll be a swerve here but the yeah. the, the, the incline at the end of this issue is that Richard Wayne staged this kidnapping of his own daughter to extort money from his wife so that he could just have mm-hmm. money to do what he wants and the wife seemingly has found out about that slash the affair and has made the choice herself to murder because it mentions that uh, the, the security guard says no we were at the manor but like uh and slam says but was was missy's win there and he's mm-hmm. like well she was there but she kind of went to bed early and was was gone for like or no, she, yeah. went, she, she went out for a drive sorry she went out for a drive, for a drive. and she was gone for a few hours and it's like hmm that kind of sounds like she might uh did the deed. I just come to why why would she is it was it anger was it you know I don't understand a mother killing her own kid that way you know of collateral in this so I'm expecting a swerve but if there's not one then I'm curious how King the only thing I'm thinking is like like there must be one of them ends up seeming like a good person to get have yeah. Thomas Wayne later because yeah. both of them right now feel like awful They're terrible. human beings. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so with but with Constance, so it's almost with her, I just felt like there were femme fatale vibes, but not mm. not like that. Not like she's the grand villain. Um with Thomas, though it always felt like there was someone else pulling his strings. And I still feel like that's where we're going. I, there's still been too many owls. I feel like that's who he's indebted to. <laughs> I, there's going I feel that there's going, maybe not a talent, but definitely a representative of the court of owls at play here. Um, well, we're getting to the last issue. So we're going to get answers yeah. next, next issue, no yeah. matter what. And I definitely feel like, again, if it's constant and that she's pregnant um, with, with baby number two, and we'll see how that goes and maybe that is you know maybe richard does survive it and he that's his come to jesus type moment and you know i don't know he seems pretty irreprehensible in this issue for sure yeah so i don't know how you i don't know how 
you get yourself out of that one. But I'm curious to see where this goes, man. This this book has been so good. Yeah. Yeah, they both seem like such villains at this point that I'm curious to see how this wraps up with the idea that there's maybe hope for the Waynes going forward. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the art here's great. That page of them kissing in the rain was fantastic. The ending with driving into the, uh, you know, the gates of hell, as it were. Yeah. Uh, all that stuff looked fantastic. Uh, the colouring, you know, between the riot pages and the more calm, kind of cold, like, conversation pages. The more uh, black and white of the flashbacks, yeah. like... There's a lot of, like, jumping around in styles and colouring mm-hmm. styles to, like, distinguish the scenes. And it all works really well. And it all came flooding back as soon as I started reading it, where we are, what the important mm-hmm. parts of the story are, and all that sort of stuff. So, no. Excellent. Uh, looking forward Excellent. to the final issue. Apparently this isn't mm-hmm. selling that well. Uh, Tom King, I think, said that on a, yeah. on a podcast or something this past week, or an interview, well. maybe. Well, we got one one issue left. I'll definitely be pushing the the trade when it comes out to people. I'm sure the trade's probably going to do fine. Yeah. Uh, but so, for whatever reason, maybe it's just not selling as well as these big yeah. twelve issue prestige books. Yeah, I mean, it definitely it's got that crime book vibe too. So, um, it's a shame. So I feel like I'm definitely going to push this to like Tim when he asks for recommendations. You know, I, I mean, I think he'd read it anyway to be honest. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm definitely going to push this toward on that because of the you know. The, once the trade hits so but yeah no th- thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying this no it's good stuff what are, you, what are you giving it Matt I'm giving this one a 9 I'll go 8.5 I'm not going to go quite yeah. onto the 9 but the mood it's very the, good everything everything about it had me you know for a comic to have me at the edge of my seat you know that's sure. that's some good stuff alright uh, Monkey Prince issue eleven. Mm-hmm. Jean Lun Yang writing with Bernard Chang and Ooh, Henning wait. on the art. Uh, so this is this is just you, Matt. So take it away. Yeah. So, um, he uh, Marcus meets the Monkey King finally, um, and and we find out that the in the backstory of his parents is that they were henchmen. Well, the daughter and and his dad was a henchman for the Ultra Humanite. Uh, when they were fighting the Justice League, and they were fighting the Justice League because Ultra Humanite found out the Monkey King had been banished to the Phantom Zone. Uh, in that, you know, there was a Monkey Prince Zero that had come out. I went back and read, and sort of Darkseid had attacked. Apparently, when Darkseid had, had quote killed the Monkey King, he had really got sent to the Phantom Zone. So what Ultra Humanite wanted to do was to free the Monkey King and then use him. You know, as you know, he's ultra humanite. He's going to do this, uh, but the Justice League thwarted it, so the Monkey King didn't um, appear as much, or didn't get to get through the the portal. So there's a running theme in this from the from Ultra Humanite and Marx's dad that in order to get the Phantom Zone projector, it has to have a wider scope, right? The the like, what's the part of the camera, Pete? That not the viewfinder, but the actual part that, that judges how much light's being let in. Um, the aperture? Maybe. They're, they're basically arguing over the aperture, that the aperture needs to be wider so they can pull him out more because last time it was too narrow. Um, and Marcus's dad is at, at the same point. is like, well, I don't know if un- unleashing a monkey god upon the earth, a great idea, ultra humanite. Um, but yeah, so Marcus ends up getting involved Um and this is as the the rains are starting to come down um, from from the Lazarus um, event. 
and um, he tries to hit Ultra Humanite with his his army of of um, hair clones that he's learned to do, um, and it doesn't work as as much as he wants it to. His dad hits his head on the Phantom Zone projector, and um, that ends up firing it up just enough that the Monkey King can come out. So, um, well, not that he can come out, that Marcus can get in. So he starts fighting. The Monkey King is like, how are you? There's no way you're my son. I don't have kids. The The little clones start to attack the Monkey King, which then he takes personal. He's like, you're going to attack me with clones from your hair? That's my move. So he makes clones of himself, and they start to attack Marcus. He gets hit with the staff where it, it, it takes off his mask, and that's where the Monkey King's like, you know, you're not my son. Um, Marcus brings up Shifu, and he goes, wait, Pigsy? Pigsy's still around, and he's a Shifu now, which apparently is a title, which I didn't realize. I thought it was just, like, his first name. Um, that makes no sense. Um, and so... Monkey King does one of his little tricks where he looks into the hair, into the clones, so he could look at his... Um, so he, he turns them into a full clone of, of Marcus, so he can look into his history. And we find out that uh, 15 years ago in Metropolis, that th this was the first time Ultra Humanite was trying to bring in the Monkey King. And at, when when they'd opened the portal, all of these like meteorites had come down. And um, that's how Marcus's dad and mom ended up getting together is that his dad saved mom from one of these things. Um, Superman comes in and saves them both. And uh, the, he's talking uh, to them about like, look, I hope you don't mind me saving you because you're like, you guys don't make the best choices because you're working for Gemini, but I'll ask the judge for leniency. Um, and then Marcus's dad tries to hit Superman with some type of laser. Um, Superman gets pulled away by Batman to go bring in the Ultra Humanite, and that's where you see Superman smash the Phantom Zone projector. Um, uh, and as they are are standing around, the parents, uh, around one of these meteors that, that almost hit them, there's a baby underneath it, and it's Marcus. Um, and they, they take him as the Justice League is bringing Ultra Humanite in, um, which now has, has led Marcus to have way more questions. Um, and Marcus tries to get Monkey Prince out to, or Monkey King out to help him because he's like, you know, Shifu's been kidnapped. You know, there's this whole thing. There's a magic storm. The devil Neza's here. And Monkey King gets confused because Neza was a friend. He wasn't an enemy. And he tries to recruit Monkey King, but he can't, Monkey King can't leave. So um, he tells him, go find the Sandalwood Buddha, who, you know, if he had read the the story um, in the Lazarus, what is it, Alpha with the Monkey Prince? That's the, that's the Buddha that the Monkey King was, you know, escorting where he met Neza and, and Pigsy and all this from Journey to the West. Um you know, and he'll figure out a way to get me out of here, but I can't leave just on my own. Uh, and uh, he teaches uh, Marcus how to fully do the clones. And so Marcus comes back through the portal, Ultra Humanite's there. He shoots him with this dart that Ultra Humanite claims now are nanobots that he'll control 
so that, you know, now you're under my control. Why don't you go hang out with your Kate friends and find out what you can about them? And so, you know, that it that it ends with Marcus standing there, you know, kind of defeated that, you know, his grandpa is completely using him. So we got one issue left. Uh, they're, they're teasing, you know, the the end is only the beginning um, or the end of the beginning. Uh, and yeah, uh, I like that Yang is playing with the with the the Monkey King stuff from the stuff that I've read from Journey to the West. He's not such a cut and dry hero or villain. You know, he's a very flawed character. Um, and the fact that he's still banished to the Phantom Zone, he can't get out on his own. So it seems like it's more than just the Phantom Zone. It's this magical ethereal realm. Uh, and then Bernard Chang as as the artist, when he goes to the past, it gives it this more anime vibe. At least I think that was Chang. Let me double check. Um, you know, and the art is a little bit different, not by much, than the main story. So um, let me find the title page. Of course, they make it difficult because um, I think that's him because he's listed on there as the um, main artist. Um, yeah, no, he does it all. So yeah, so when he goes to the past to tell the story, the art takes a again a more of an anime manga style, but it, it works here because it's differentiating time, you know. So um, no, yeah, it's it's a very solid book still. Um, it definitely is. I don't say it's bogged down by the Lazarus planet stuff, but it definitely feels like. Yang had to change course just a little bit to make it all fit. So, you know, a lot of just talk about the rains and all the, you know, other going ons with Neza and and uh, Pigsy being gone and stuff. Uh, as for, for the ending, the fact that Marcus wanted to learn how to make clones, like full on clones, I feel like that's the out with the ultra humanite here. Mm-hmm. Is that that's just one of his clones that he's learned to make. Um, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. So, um, Again, thoroughly enjoyable, uh, a fun read. Uh, I'm going to give this a 7.5. All right, cool. Uh, that'll take us out of the part of the show where we pick our favorite stuff of the week, favorite panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art, and uh, top five books, technically, uh, although <laughs> I won't be making it to five this week because uh, yeah, DC shoot. are doing me dirty by only giving me three books to read. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so we'll start with uh, panel slash moment, Matt. What do you got? Hmm. I get pull from Flash or Gotham City or Ivy. So what am I going to pull from? But I think I'll pull from Flash, and it's it's when they try to 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 use the power source as a battering ram, and out pops this this kid that's been in there. Okay. I think that's just a fun Bart moment. So yeah, that'll be mine. Yeah, I think I'll I'll just be simple and go with the uh, the final panel of. Gotham City Year One. That's a good one. Just, That's a know, good one too. It made me hate for the next issue. It was atmospheric, yeah. had a lot of build to it. Uh, this, it was really nice. Yeah. It was it was that or from Gotham City, it was gonna be the the tarot scene, just that page mm. of her and just again the tension is, is super it's really, really there. So yeah. Yeah. Um cover of the week. Um I've just got one that I'm just gonna jump in with, and that mm-hmm. is uh a variant to Gotham City Year One, and it is uh, the Tony Shastin variant mm-hmm. uh, with Slam walking in the rain on the city street. It is yeah. beautiful. Uh, That's super, super cool. Yeah, it stuck. That was just the one that immediately stuck out to me. <clears throat> uh, 
there's, there's some okay Batman covers and there's some okay Flash covers, but no, nothing yeah. that felt like, oh, that's my pick. So what you what you got? So there's a Serge Kuna cover for, for Flash that I really, really like. It's got Wally and Linda running on water, and there's a watercolor, almost Manipul-esque vibe to it. But that's not my pick. I just wanted to sing all that out. Um, Poison Ivy has a lot of fun variants, as, as we've been mentioning throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's a Dotson's cover that's really nice that has Ivy. Um, let me pull this up here. My computer's being slow. Um, it's got Ivy watering uh, Harley in like this big like daffodil bulb or a tulip bulb. Um, that's super nice. There's a um, another... The, the main cover, uh, the Carla Cohen, is nice. It's like this painted kind of one. But Dan Mora has, uh, it looks like a Harley and Ivy laying in the poppies from Wizard of Oz. Uh, and just their whole dynamic, everything looks nice. It's the cover I ended up buying this week anyways. So uh, the Dan Mora uh, variant for Poison Ivy is my pick. All right, cool. Uh, art of the week. Am I going first or are you going first? I'm going first. You can go first. Yeah. Um, Phil Hester's really good. I want to say that. The coloring, everything, fantastic. However, Takara and the way that he did the whole Harley Quinn, uh, Poison Ivy, their whole interactions, the colors, everything, I'm going to give it to Poison Ivy this week. Okay. Uh, yeah, I got to go with Hester. Out of the three I read, it was by yeah. far the, the best art. There, mm-hmm. there was no question. Uh, all right, rank your books, Matt. All right, so number one's going to be Gotham City, year one. Two's going to be Ivy, three, Flash, four, Monkey Prince, five, Batman. Uh, take out the uh, books I didn't read, and it's pretty much the same for me, I think. Uh, number yeah. one's Gotham City, year one. Number two is Flash. Number three is Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, simple, straightforward, uh, like is it. what it is. Uh, let's look ahead to next week though and I'll tell you what's coming out from DC uh, so coming out we have Batman Beyond the White Knight issue 8 Batgirls issue 15 Swamp Thing Green Hell issue 2 oh man yeah I, I will probably make an effort to read the first issue again because it's been like nearly two years <sighs> yeah since issue 1 came out Yeah, uh, I remember loving it but <laughs> I, I, just, I just remember a certain character showing up I don't want to spoil it if people haven't read oh um, sure yeah towards the end and just the art being like top notch other than that not so much i don't know i don't remember much yeah yeah uh but uh excited that, that'll probably be the big yes talking point in next week's episode uh assuming there's not like huge news to uh discuss uh also we have i am batman issue 18 lazarus planet dark fate issue one danger street issue three mm-hmm. so another big uh tom king book to talk about next week which is cool uh, we got Batman Incorporated issue 5, Wildcats issue 4, Batman The Adventure Continues season 3 issue 2, The Batman Scooby-Doo Mysteries issue 5, Batman Spawn Unplugged issue 1, and Mad Magazine issue 30. So, yeah, cool. Um, yeah. So, it's, it's, again, it's not a big list of books next week that, that, we, uh, that we're reading, but uh, so, some big examples in there, Swamp Thing and Danger Street mm-hmm. being the, uh, the heavy hitters. Yes. So, very cool. Uh, Let's see who's in this Lazarus uh, Planet book, because there was a Ram V story in this week's. Um, see if they're going to try to goad me into getting this one, too. Oh, there's Seeley, Williamson, Culver, Alyssa Wong. Oh, man. 
Who's the characters? Oh, it looks like there's a Doom Patrol. Oh, man. We'll see. We'll see if I have time for it. I don't know. I don't know. I, I kind of gave up on the, after the, the first couple. Yeah, I'll, read the, yeah. I'll read the Omega issue because that's the end of the yeah. actual story. But uh, <laughs> the, the one where stuff actually happens in. Yeah. I will say I'm getting caught up in, in my time and a lot of them just seem like teases for things in the future. Mm. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a bit sad because it doesn't seem like they're doesn't seem like Lazarus Planet's a proper event in that, like, it's just doing things to set things up, um, you know. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was just looking at this Batman spawn issue that's yeah. coming out. It, it looks like a one-shot to me. Is it? Because the, the cover is just a, a black-and-white cover of the first one of McFarlane and Capullo's Batman spawn. Oh, is this a reprint of an old story? I, I think so. Unplugged. Let's okay. See. Two Dark Heroes, blah, 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 from the shadows. Only remaining two decades for. Yeah, I mean, I figure it's a black and white comic, but I assumed it was a new thing. But uh, yeah. fair enough, if it's not, if it's not. Uh, so, okay, all right, well, there you go. That's, uh, that's yep. what's coming next week. Uh, but that'll about wrap us up for the show uh, mm-hmm. on this week's episode. Uh, we'll be back next time with uh, the books mentioned and, of course, uh, whatever else happens in the week DC-related, mm-hmm. or sometimes otherwise, if we're feeling feisty but uh you can of course uh support the show uh by going over to patreon.com slash tv and supporting us over there for uh however much you like uh but you know five dollars and up you get access to the show whenever it's ready on saturday night you get it a little bit early before it goes out on the sunday so if that's of interest go and have a look uh, i'll thank our patreon producers right now which is one of the higher tiers uh over at patreon uh so thank you very much oh matt's Hiding it a little bit. Hiding <laughs> what? Uh, thank you very much to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Bordeno, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Al Treisman. Uh, and thank you to all our patrons who support the content. Uh, of course, you can support us by sharing us, rating the podcast uh, on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. Give us five stars. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe and uh, ding the bell for notifications and all that stuff. Uh, but uh, you know, generally share us out with other DC fans and, you know, the usual yes. things. Uh, that, I don't know. I've I've done the promotion bit like three hundred and forty times now, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say anymore. You know, like, subscribe, all that stuff they say on on you know <laughs> that that type of stuff. All of Check it us out on Twitter. All, all of um, it's really important, but it's just uh, you say it so many times, the words yeah, start to have no meaning anymore. I get you. Um, one of the podcasts I listened to, they had a guest on this week that is just he's very good at all his plugs because he does them, you know multiple times a week mm. uh and he does he did his plugs better than the the host did his own Ooh. it was very funny so but yeah when you do it as many times it just becomes route but yeah go go yell at connor tell him that you know you guys miss him or something i mean don't lie if you if you can help it but you know let, give connor some love too i don't approve of that message uh but this has Why? been comics for the multiverse <laughs> we'll see you next time keep reading DC Comics and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force